This morning, we're going to continue in our series of Living in the Spirit. It's part six, and um, if you've been with us, you know this is the last chapter of Galatians. And, um, and so the, the question we've been asking is, how do we live by the Spirit or walk in the Spirit? And um, I did this last week, but I felt like I was supposed to do it again, was to go through the keys that we've learned so far. There's four main keys that we've pulled out of the book of Galatians around this topic of how to walk in the Spirit or live in the Spirit. And the, um, the first key is to receive the divine empowerment, which is the ability and the authority that God's pouring out. It's, it starts with God. He's pouring it out to us. Um, in order to do what we could never do on our own, and that's grace. And so the key for us in this, this first one is to receive it. This divine empowerment is being poured out on you. It's being poured out to me. It does me no good if I don't receive it. And so that's the key is you have to receive it. So that's step one. Key two is to remember the truth of the divine exchange. And we're going to look at this list again. So in the divine exchange, this happened if you said, have said yes to Jesus and invited him into your life, right? He laid down his life to give you life or to give me life. And by faith, now I'm laying down my life to receive his life for mine, right? That's that process of accepting him into your heart. And then he takes up residence in us. It's the only religion where that happens, where he comes and actually dwells inside of you. There's significance there. In the process, you become a son and daughter of your heavenly father. You're clothed with Jesus, right? Which ultimately means that you become righteous because of him around you, in you. I become one in Christ with all other believers. So every believer on the face of the globe, I'm a brother or a sister, is powerful. I become a descendant of Abraham, and I also become a co-heir to the promise a co-heir with Jesus, right? It's amazing. That's part of that transaction. And so key number two is to remember this divine exchange. Remember that these things are true. They're yours. It's part of the package. Um, Key number three is to regularly invite the Holy Spirit to shine his light on any area that you tend to easily give away your birthright And invite him to share wisdom and strategies for you to grow in embracing and fighting for your inheritance. So we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to to remind us and to assess sort of, are there places where I, I easily give away my inheritance instead of fighting for it? Right? You know how the Israelites, they went into, they got the promised land, it was theirs. But they had to fight for it, to hold on to it. Um... Our inheritance, these are some of the things. It's not an exhaustive list, but some of the things that are part of our inheritance when we say yes to Jesus is we get eternal life. It's not just eternal life when you make it to heaven. (laughs) It's eternal life right now because we are as he is. He is in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father. It's where we are. And so we start living eternal life right now. We have access to the Father without fear. You don't have to be afraid of Father God anymore. Um, the ability to know God and be known by him. We'll never fully comprehend who he is. There's always more, right? It's part of your inheritance, though. 
um, the authority to rule and to reign with Jesus. We're meant to walk in dominion over every situation that we're facing. We're, we're meant to not be the, um, we're the head, not the tail. We're meant to have dominion over it, ruling and reigning with Jesus. We're meant to have freedom from fear. It's part of your inheritance. So if you assess any part of your life and you're saying, man, I'm still wrestling with this issue of fear, um, the scripture says God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind or heaven's perspective. That's the next one, right? Um, That's that's the divine exchange for fear. He's given you fullness of joy, peace, love, and hope. That's part of your inheritance. It's for now. It's not just when you're in heaven where there's no tears, where there's no ailments, right? That kind of thing. It's now fullness of joy, fullness of peace, fullness of love, fullness of hope, um, favor with God and man. And then we also get the Holy Spirit, right? So wisdom, comfort, and an advocate in the Holy Spirit is part of your inheritance. So wisdom, if you lack, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask. The promise you'll get wisdom. You'll have a strategy of how to handle whatever you're facing. The only caveat is that it goes on and it says you need to believe what you hear, right? Not doubt, right? So that's, that's a whole separate sermon. But um, the Holy Spirit's are your comforter. So whenever you don't have comfort, what do you need? Do you just need a good friend? Maybe. But really, you need the comforter, right? You need the comforter to come and surround you, be in his presence. And then he's also your advocate. He's the one who fights on your behalf, right? Um, That's part of your inheritance. But when we study that aspect of Galatians, we realize that in some of these areas, we easily give it away. We don't fight for it. And yet the reality is we're meant to fight for our inheritance because it's yours. It's yours. It's mine. Um, So we need the Holy Spirit to shine his light on any area that we tend to easily give away. And then for him to show us, to give us wisdom and strategy of how to fight for that um, aspect of our inheritance. Key number four is to regularly engage. This was last week. Regularly engage in an authentic assessment with the Holy Spirit to discern what kind of fruit you're producing, right? Repent repent from any fruit of the flesh. So just if you forget from last week or if you weren't here, the fruit of the flesh is sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, right? Um, That's the fruit of the flesh. So if you find when you're doing an assessment with the Holy Spirit, hey, what's the fruit that's being produced in my life? And you you end up seeing, oh, there's um, envy in my life. Is, Is it over for you? No. What do you need to do? You recognize it's there. Envy is over here. You need to repent. You need to walk in the opposite direction. It's that simple. It may not feel that simple, right? But the Holy Spirit's going to show you, how do I deal with the issue of envy in my life? What's the strategy for this to get rooted out of me so I no longer walk with that, right? Or any of these behaviors or things that are on here. Jealousy, right? That's a big one, that people struggle with jealousy, right? Um, It's not part of your nature. So often we think we don't have a choice. It's just who you are. It just happens. It's not true. It's, it's, it's a fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of, of connecting with that thing. We're going to learn about it a little bit today of where you sow seeds. 
but it's a fruit. And, and so if you see it again, it's not of the Lord. It's not going to give you abundant life. It's actually robbing you of life. And the strategy, again, is you just you need to repent. You need to turn and walk in the other direction. The opposite is, is there any um, fruit of the Spirit that you're producing? And if there is, we're supposed to celebrate it, right? So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you see any measure of that in your life, it's worth celebrating. That's the evidence that you're connecting with the Holy Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. How do you grow in one of these areas? We talked about this last week. The only way I'm going to grow in kindness, the only way I'm going to grow in self-control is by connecting with the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen by trying harder. That's a lie. It's a lie to think that you're going to muster it up. It's a fruit of the Spirit. If it's of the Spirit, you need to connect with the Spirit in order to produce the fruit. And if you don't like it, take it up with Him. Right? That's the reality. But think about if you've been trying to muster up more love or trying to muster up more patience, how's it going? Is it working? My, my guess is it may help you in a moment for a little bit, but ultimately, is it transforming your life? I doubt it. The only way it's going to transform your life is to connect with the Holy Spirit because this is evidence of him inside your life. Anyway, um, that was last week. If you see this, celebrate it. Are you going to be perfect? Probably not. Do you see any increased love in your life? Celebrate it. Embrace it. Say, thank you, God, for I have more love. Thank you, I have more patience. Thank you, I have a greater measure of goodness in my life. And celebrate it. And as you celebrate it, it actually produces more. It's an interesting thing. So those are the keys that we've looked at so far. And now we get to the last chapter of Galatians. Um, So if you have your Bibles, please open up to Galatians chapter 6. This is how Paul's going to close this letter. Um, He says, brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and not to another, for each one will bear his own load. So you got to remember that chapter 6 comes right after chapter 5, right? So um, what we learned in chapter 5 was you were called to freedom for what? To serve one another in love. I think all of these components at the start of chapter 6, it ties right with what we just studied in chapter 5. Um, the, the commandment was to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Paul emphasized in Galatians 5. I like to say it, love your neighbor the way he loves you, because I know a lot of people who don't love themselves very well. <laughs> and so the reality is, is we want to love others the way he loves us. If you're listening on the podcast, we just changed microphones. All right, Um, so if you see somebody who has some wrongdoing in their lives, what are you supposed to do? Humiliate them, torture them, make an outcast of them, 
Is that what we're supposed to do? No, Paul says, with the spirit of gentleness. Where do we find gentleness? It's a fruit of the spirit. In the spirit of gentleness, you identify somebody's making choices that aren't the best. In the spirit of gentleness, the hope is that we would go to them with the goal of restoration. The goal is to restore them. It's not to ostracize them. It's not to point out their wrongdoing. It's not to make a big deal about what they're doing. It's actually to come to them in love, loving their neighbor, to restore them back into the right way. So if if you want to take it literal, if you see somebody who's walking in the fruits, like the fruit of their life has to do with the spirit or with the flesh, it's probably a way that you can, part of your loving them is to go to them and say, hey, I'm seeing this. A lot of us are afraid to do that, right? Because we're scared about our own stuff. So deal with your stuff. If you're doing a regular assessment of you in the Holy Spirit, and like I said in that message, if you're asking your friends, the people who know you the best, what do you see in my life? What's the fruit you're seeing in my life? You're dealing with your stuff. Is, is it, will there be more stuff? Probably, yeah? Because we're all working through it. We sang, we're going from glory to glory. The reality is if, if you see somebody who's walking in the fruit of the flesh and you don't say anything because you don't want to deal with it, you're not loving them. How you love them is to come to them in a spirit of, of gentleness and say, God wants to restore you out of this. And what does it look like to partner with them? The, the second thing that it, he says, Paul says, is bear one another's burdens. Right. And so what kind of burdens do we have? Um, there's physical burdens. Right. So there's maybe it's your health or maybe it's finances or maybe something um, that your resources or something like that that you're struggling with. Emotional burdens. Right. Maybe there's relational stuff that's going on or depression or things like that. Anxiety disorder, stuff like those kinds of things. Or maybe there's spiritual burdens. And, and we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. What does that look like? What does it look like to come alongside each other? Are we supposed to be the savior? Nope, not supposed to save you. Can't save you. It's not my job. Whose job is it? Jesus. He's the only savior. There is no other. You can look all across the world. You can look at every religion. There is no other savior. It's Jesus. He's the only savior. He's the only one. And so if you're trying to save your friends, it's not going to work because it's not your job. You're supposed to, to bear one another's burdens, which means that you take it as if it's yours. Does it mean that you have to solve it? No. You have to ask the Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do with this? So if somebody's in a financial crisis, is it you, are you just supposed to always pay? Not necessarily, unless you hear it from the Holy Spirit. He might call you to give. He might call you to pray. He might call you to go sit with them. As they're in their crisis, he might give you wisdom of something to share. Often we just try to do our own stuff to deal with people's stuff or we avoid it. And the reality is the Holy Spirit is going to give you a grace and wisdom as we live in a community. How do we partner with one another? How do we do this? Well, it's by listening to him. And so I think that's the reality is sometimes God will say, no, don't give. No, 
don't go do this for them. Because he's doing something, or it's somebody else in the body, it's their responsibility to step into that role. That takes a lot of discipline of hearing the Holy Spirit. But we want to walk in the Holy Spirit. We want to walk with the Spirit. And so he has good works planned in advance for each one of you. There will be times where you give. There will be times where you give sacrificially. There will be times where you serve sacrificially. Right? There's, there's times where you are interceding night and day. Nobody knows about it, but the Lord has called you to intercede for the behalf of this person because it's a burden that he's called you to bear with them. Does that make sense? Right? So it's all about following the Holy Spirit in it. Um, it's, it's a way that we can grow as a community. You know, Jesus, he modeled servant leadership of washing, um, washing one another's feet. And, and, and that sort of goes in with the, the last thing that Paul says in this section is, um, you know, he's talking about boasting and ultimately he's talking about your true identity. And, and Jesus, I like to say Jesus is our model. So if, if you want to figure out how do I handle the issue of boasting, how do I handle the issue of my identity, look at Jesus. So Jesus, he modeled humility but with authority and confidence in his identity. He didn't boast, I'm here, I'm the Lord, you're going to do it my way. He didn't need to. What did he do? He wrapped the towel around his waist and he washed his disciples' feet. He never was afraid to speak the hard truth in love to the Pharisees. And then he crossed every um, barrier that was known to mankind, racial barriers, gender barriers, cultural barriers, to love. And he didn't make a big deal about himself. He just did it because he was representing the father's heart. But the whole time he knew who he was. His father's beloved. This is my beloved son. God spoke it over him. You think he would have already known. But just like us, he needed it at his baptism. He needed it at the transfiguration. He needed to hear the truth of his identity yet again. And then he takes that and he lives and he serves and he loves. It's the same for us. Um, So the goal isn't to boast about yourself and all that you do. But at the same time, the reality is don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't belittle yourself thinking that somehow you're doing good because it actually dishonors your heavenly father who created you the way that he created you. So if you're wrestling in that area, look at Jesus. And then ask the Holy Spirit and say, show me, is there a different way that I should handle this of how I present myself to others? And just hear what he says. The scripture goes on, verse 6. It says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction. From the flesh, but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. So it's a kingdom principle, right? What you sow, you will reap, right? That's true. So the one who sows to the spirit is going to reap eternal life, right? Again, that's not just for when you get to heaven, it's for now. So if you're sowing into the spirit, you're going to start reaping life, fullness of life. The one who sows to the flesh, will reap destruction, robbed of abundant life. Not just hell, but hell on earth, 
right? You start right now. Destruction. And so the question is, where are you planting? To the spirit or to the flesh? We could go back to those charts, but we're not going to because you got it in your head. If you're noticing that you have a lot of fruit in your life that's from the side with the flesh, that's where you're planting. That's where you're sowing. So we shouldn't be surprised that that's what you're reaping. Because what you sow, you reap. If you see a lot of evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it's evidence that you're planting in the Spirit. Because that's what you're sowing. Does that make sense? Um, Galatian, um, yeah, I said that. So what kind of fruit you're producing? Yeah, what kind of fruit you're producing shows that you are connected, what you're connected to, or where you're planted. One of the things in it is that everyone is connected to something. You can't avoid it. <laughs> and really, if, you're, if you just take this book, if this was the only book that we had, right, Galatians, Paul would be basically saying there's only two places you can plant, to the flesh or the spirit. And so one of those leads to destruction, and one of those leads to life. And you get to choose. Does it mean that you have to be perfect? No. Does it mean you'll never sow anything into the flesh? Probably not, right? But as soon as you recognize it, you should repent. And then ask for grace from the Holy Spirit, that divine empowerment. That's why the book is there, the whole book, right? You need to receive it in order to do what you could never do on your own. That's the gospel of grace, right? It's a beautiful picture. And it's all laid out like a buffet before us. We have to choose to take it in. Um, Verse 9. Let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. So then while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So let's not become discouraged in doing good. Again, what's goodness? It's the fruit of the Spirit. So any good that you release is the fruit of the Spirit. The promise is that in due time you will reap. But obviously there's a, 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 a sector or some aspect of the Galatian believers that are wrestling with this, or else Paul wouldn't be talking about it, right? Um, discouragement comes from not seeing the desired outcome or results that we're hoping for in a timely manner. So you may feel like, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good, but nothing's happening. It's making no difference. And so at some point, you may decide, I'm going to stop. Because obviously, it's not making any difference. Paul's saying, don't give up. You will reap what you sow. And so if you continue to, to release goodness into the lives of all people, and he says especially the people of the faith, but really it's for all people. Let's good, do good to all people. What's one of the best ways we can reveal the love of Christ to every single person in this county? To do good <laughs> towards them. Even the ones you disagree with. Even the ones that rub you the wrong way. Even the ones who have different opinions than you. What does it look like to do good to them? Right? Again, the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to give you the wisdom or the strategy of what that actually looks like. It's not just a formula. Oh, this is what it means to do good. You have to hear from him. What does that look like? For some people, it could be just sitting next to somebody and listening to them. Some people could be giving them something. 
or serving them in a certain way, right? You can fill it in, whatever the Holy Spirit tells you. But there's a prompt from Paul to not give up, um, to stay the course. Why you have opportunity? You know how long you, you know how you know when you have opportunity? As long as you have breath in your lungs, you still have an opportunity to do good. You do. And so even if you're wrestling with life, you have the opportunity to do good. It is. And so there's an encouragement from Paul to the Galatian believers. I'm taking it and applying it to us because I think it's for us as well, is um, every opportunity you have, do good to believers and non-believers. Verse 11 says, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. I love this about Paul because if you know my handwriting, it's horrible. And so I love that Paul, he uses this in a couple of his letters where he talks about when he actually writes in his own hand because he, he uses that as a point to say that it's not about his image. It's not about him looking good. His heart is what really matters. His heart for the believers. Anyway, he goes on and he says, um, all who want to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised. So it's going back to the very beginning of the letter, simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they want to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. But far, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And all who will follow this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, uh, be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So what's Paul saying in closing the letter? Ultimately, I believe he's reminding the Galatian believers of his heart for them. I'm for you. Remember when I was with you. Like it's come up throughout the letter as we've gone from chapter to chapter. He's reminding them, I came for you. I am for your good. I care about you. There's nothing in it for me. I'm not trying to gain this selfish thing. But those who are trying to persuade you to follow through with this circumcision, like the addition of this, this law on top of what you receive with the gospel of grace, right? Their desire is for themselves. It actually is not for you. Um, they're trying, they're self-seeking. The truth is, Paul ultimately puts it in a nutshell, and I love this, is he says, circumcision or uncircumcision, it don't matter. What matters? You're a new creation. That's what matters. And you get a choice as a new creation what you're going to do with that. Are you going to take it, embrace it, and soar? Are you going to trade it in for something that's distorted? And so ultimately, um, when you said yes to Jesus, you received the gospel of grace. That's the same as the Galatian believers. When they said yes to Jesus, when Paul presented it on his first and second missionary journeys, they said yes. They received the gospel of grace, this divine empowerment um, that the Holy Spirit um, is going to that, that he's going to allow you to live like Jesus. 
And part of that is that we get to reveal the Father's heart just like Jesus did. It's part of our inheritance. Paul saying, don't forsake the gospel of grace that you have received. Don't forsake it. It's yours. Don't return to a life of striving or embracing a religious spirit. That's all the messages of their, what they're being trying to be persuaded to, is to embrace striving again. If I do this, if I try harder, if I give up all these things, then I'm going to be loved by God. It's just not true. It's a religious spirit. The only way you get close to God is by grace <laughs> of saying yes and receiving. The only way you grow in the fruit of the spirit is by saying yes. It's by grace and receiving. And it's yours. Um, can a butterfly go back to being a caterpillar? Some of us, I think we wish that it was that easy. Because we know that it's impossible for a butterfly to go back to being a caterpillar. And yet we feel like we go in and out and in and out and in and out. And yet the truth is that you are a new creation. It's done. It's finished. You are not who you were before you accepted Jesus into your life. It's a lie that the enemy tries to convince you that you're still who you were. And so in this illustration, right, that would be a caterpillar. Um, the, the truth with you being a new creation is you're meant to soar. And so um, a fun fact about monarch butterflies is that even though they're fragile, they can fly up to 10,000 feet high. That seems pretty high for a butterfly. You're meant to soar. What, why is that significant? To soar. So you can see from heaven's perspective. It's really critical. The other thing about butterflies in the United States is they fly 3,000 miles a year from northeast USA to Can and Canada to southwest Mexico. In contrast, a caterpillar, you know, when it, it, it's, it hatches from its egg and then it travels a little bit, it says that they can travel up to 33 feet. To get to a place where they attach to something, right? And usually they're attaching to something low. They're not usually climbing up to the third story, right? It's usually a little branch or a piece of wood or something like that, right? It, you don't want to be a caterpillar. I mean, you had to be a caterpillar in order to become a butterfly. So that's where it breaks down, the reality, right? But, but this image of you're a new creation, a, 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 a butterfly is not a caterpillar. It's not just a glorified version of a caterpillar. It's a whole new species. It's a whole new thing. And so are you. So are the Galatian believers. That's what Paul's trying to ingrain in them. You are not what you were. You're a new creation. Um, the, the idea of, um, of how far you fly, that kind of thing, I think is that we're meant to be far-reaching. Our influence is meant to be far-reaching. When we receive the gospel of grace and we say yes to Jesus and we become a new creation, the old is gone. It's been crucified with Christ. We looked at that already in this book. It's gone. It's, it's crucified. It's dead. It doesn't serve you anymore. The enemy's lying. <laughs> You're meant. I'm meant. To live by the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit. Your new nature is to see from heaven's perspective and to have far-reaching influence. That's who you are.
That's who I am as a follower of Jesus. It's the same for every follower of Jesus across the globe. They're meant to see from heaven's perspective, and they're meant to have far-reaching influence. It's your normal as a follower of Jesus. It's your normal. The, the goal is to start living it, embracing it, right? Not settling for something less or a distorted version of who you really are. The Galatian believers were being attacked as a strategy of the enemy to rob them of life. And Paul was standing on their, by their side and fighting on their behalf to say, don't go there. Remember the truth of who you really are. And I feel like that where that ties in for us in this um, theme of, of walking in the Spirit or um, living by the Spirit is the Holy Spirit is, is prompting us in this season of our lives of saying, remember who you really are. Embrace it again. There's ways to stay connected that I'm going to teach you and reveal to you if you will just press in. Allow me to shine light on your life. Allow me to reveal what's really there. Don't be afraid to look at the fruit. It's actually a really good thing to see what's really going on, to do those authentic assessments. And then I'll give you the strength and the grace to deal with whatever you find and continue to set you on the right course so that you can soar and have far-reaching influence. It's really, really good. Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you um, for your, your faithfulness to us. I thank you that you never leave us in a place that's not leading us to abundant life. That you will always fight on our behalf for the more. And you'll expose anything that's leading us down a path of destruction. Because you love us. You already paid for us to have fullness of life. And so we just thank you for what you're doing in this season of our lives. Thank you that we're new creations. You said it. You declared it. You revealed it to us. And you're continuing to reveal it to us. I pray that you would show us what does it look like to actually live as a new creation where we see from heaven's perspective that we soar high and that we actually have far-reaching influence, right? Not just in our local little community but we impact nations. It's amazing what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to um, sustain us, that you would gird us and surround us. I pray that you would teach us how to walk as a community, to bear one another's burdens, and how to reach out to each other in love when we see anybody walking in wrongdoing. That we would know what does it look like to be servant leaders and to follow your truth identity, right, of knowing who we are in you. And not lording it over somebody else, but ultimately allowing that be, but serving with humility. And I pray that we would grow in this as a house. And that we would embrace the, the concept of doing good to all. And that we wouldn't um, grow discouraged or weary in doing good. But that we would continue to press forward with the things that we've heard from you. Even if we're not seeing the fruit yet. That we will reap what we sow in due time. And I just pray that these truths would be established to the core of who we are, Jesus. And that you would guide our steps in these kinds of things. 
And we celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And we thank you for what you're teaching us so far this year about walking in the spirit. And we ask that you would continue as we continue through this year, that you would highlight other truths and keys for us. And pray that we would, um, we would be disciplined to revisit the keys that you've already revealed to us. It wouldn't just be something that, oh, I heard it, done with it. Don't look at it again. I pray you would bring these keys back up for us throughout this year. And we would actually spend time working through it. And that we would see the fruit of what our work is, right? That we would, we would benefit, we would reap what we sow as we, as we steward these keys. Um, and we just give you glory in that. Yeah, and we just ask that you would continue to move in power and that you would, um, yeah, just continue to lead us and guide us. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.